I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show. My name is Julian McKenzie, tapping in for Ian Mendez, who normally does the intro part of the Monday show of The Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, He is with his family, relaxing, enjoying the summer, uh, back in his native British Columbia, currently convincing Canucks fans why Mark Messier was the greatest captain in franchise history. I don't know why anyone would take on such an endeavor, but only Ian Mendez can do that. So with Ian Mendez out, uh, Mark Lazarus, a friend of the Monday show, uh, honorary Canadian, uh, taps in in his place. Mark, good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, good to be here. You know, uh, hatred of Mark Messier is not limited just to Vancouver. Like when I was 13, 14 years old, I hated Mark Messier with like the fire of a thousand suns as an Islanders fan, as a teenage Islanders fan, whose every friend was a Rangers fan, because that's what most cities don't have. They don't have to go to school and like fight for your fandom literally every single day. You, know, mm. you had kids bragging about their team being on the back page of Newsday that day. That's how it mattered. And then Messier comes in and like the guarantee they win the cup like that all happened during like the last couple of weeks of school and it was finals week and Mm -hmm. I had to like show my face in school the day after the Rangers won the Stanley Cup like the darkest day in the history of days. Uh, I I remember the first time I actually met Mark Messier was at the NHL awards a bunch of years ago. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he does his hilarious Mark Messier award for Mark Messier excellence picked by Mark Messier and only Mark (laughs) Messier, like one of the most ridiculous awards there is. And like, I, 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 even though I was like 35 years old at the time and like in the back of my head, I'm going, just, just, just kick him, just punch him just one time, (laughs) just one time, just do it. Like, you know, when you're the things you hate when you're 14, you always hate. Like I was, I was a Knicks fan. I hate Michael Jordan. I, I work and live in Chicago. It's like I walk past the Michael Jordan statue literally every time I go to work. And in my head, I'm flipping him off every single time. He ruined my childhood as a Knicks fan. Just ruined it. So this, this, it, those hatreds don't die. There, there's a lot of stuff we want to get to on today's show. Uh, yeah, sorry. But I, I just do, went right I, into it. <laughs> no, please, please. I love this happens all the time on the show. Uh, we'll just as quickly just run down. Uh, there is uh, a really great column you put out last week with regards to Rocky Words. We'll get to that. Some mailbag questions and comments. Uh, we had the uh, the animated theme song uh, bracket, which was tedious to put together, but we have a winner from that. We'll get to that. But I do want to focus on this thing you just brought up here because I believe every every person who gets into sports media, at some point they were a fan, at some point they you know saw some athlete that they hated, and if they're lucky enough, they have an opportunity to either encounter that person or... Uh, yeah, I pretty much encounter that person. Would you say that Mark Messier would be that person for you? Like the athlete you hated the most that you ended up having to like 
see like end up having to meet or just kind of encounter in a professional setting i have Probably. an answer for this it, it almost has to be I, i'll tell you what i did a story before the trade deadline this season about what it's like for like franchise icons to get traded to, to leave yes. their team because of kane and taves and i talked to you know patrick marlowe and i talked to uh um who did I, mike madonna and i talked to brian leach another guy that i absolutely hated he was the single nicest man I've ever talked to. He was so open. He cried during our interview twice when talking about like leaving New York. He was so sweet. He was so bright. He was so charming that like I hung up and I texted my dad. I go, God damn it. I like Brian Leach now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your guy? Who, who did you hate when you were 14? <laughs> um, it's There's crazy. no hatred like a 14 year old's hatred. Oh God. Um, as a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up, Around my era, that was at the height of the Canadians-Bruins rivalry, at least in the 2000s and the 2010s. And Milan Lucic was a guy I grew to hate. Could not stand him. Seeing Dale Weiss get the better of him in a playoff series gave me (laughs) immense joy. Blackhawks legend Dale Weiss. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, So, of course, uh, in my first year covering the Calgary Flames, seeing Milan Lucic in the locker room, and like sitting with him one on one and looking at him, just being like, I used to hate this man, but this dude was actually a pretty cool person to talk to. <laughs> it's the worst um, when you like him. It's the, it's the worst. It's the worst. You want him and to like, be a dick to you so bad. You want him just to be yes. that jerk. You know he is deep inside. Damn it. But like he was actually really cool and really nice. And when I mentioned that, like, yeah, I grew up like hating you, he laughed it off. So, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, now he's back in Boston. Funny enough, full circle moment. Uh, for me, Lad Lucic. Uh, but yeah, he would be my answer for that. If you guys want to send, uh, well, I mean, then again, you know what? There's no way the fans listening would be able to send us this. But I don't know. Maybe there's somebody, maybe there's an athlete that you grew up hating that maybe you had a chance encounter with and you were like, hey, you know what? This person wasn't that bad. They were just a chill person. Um, I'm blanking on the email that uh, we get fans and, and readers to to send. Hopefully, producer Danielle can help me out with that here. But uh, send us your questions. Send us your comments. Tweet at both of us. Uh, uh, Mark Lazarus is on. Oh, sorry, we can't even use Twitter anymore. It's I'm X still using now. Twitter. I will call it X over my dead body. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna basically treat it the same way we treat like Sky Dome in Toronto. Like it's not Rogers right. Center or whatever. It's, it's Sky Dome. So we tweet at us. Send us emails. Your comments. We would like the to let talk to show at gmail.com. Yes. Yes. It's Monday. It's the off season. I'm blanking on the email. My bad guys, but we can get into some other topics uh, as we continue the Monday edition on. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, as best as you can for these types of stories. Uh, your column from last week, Mark on Rocky words, uh, a longtime figure for Chicago. Uh, we know he brought them out of a dead period with regards to the franchise. But we all know uh, his handling of the Kyle Beach situation is what's going to resonate for a ton of people. And I think you did a great job of discussing his legacy uh, in your column, Rocky Wirtz's legacy framed by Blackhawks' highest and lowest moments. Uh, He passed away last week at the age of 70. Uh, It is expected that his son, uh, Danny Wirtz, will succeed him as owner. That has not been out there confirmed yet, but there have been uh, some rumblings about that. But I did want to spend a couple minutes just talking about your column and also talking about that particular new story, Mark. I, I just would like to know, just to start, what, were, what was your initial reaction when you heard Rocky Wirtz had passed away? I, I was shocked. I mean, you know, he's still a relatively young man at 70 years old, and he had still been around a lot. I mean... Uh, you, you just, you, you never know with these things, but it wasn't like something that was like, we didn't know about an illness and extended illness or anything like that. It kind of came out of nowhere as these things unfortunately often do. Um, but it's huge. I mean, Rocky words, look, look, as I, as I wrote, there's, he has, his legacy was, was complicated by the last few years by the Kyle beach situation, which, you know, the Jenner and block report cleared him of knowing about. But, you know, it's your franchise, it's your business, right? When something happens under your watch, the buck stops there, right? So there's something to that. Then there's the whole town hall tirade, all that, which is a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was one of the most, this is a titan in Chicago sports, a titan in the NHL. I mean, Rocky Wirtz, since he took over the team from his father in 2007, uh, he put the Blackhawks back on the map. I mean, nobody gave a crap about the Blackhawks anymore. They were, in 2004, ESPN did a list of all the pro teams in all the pro sports and uh, by their 
basically their basic levels of competence. And the Blackhawks were the worst professional franchise in all of professional sports in North America, like 204th or whatever it was. Like it was bad. Like it was a joke of a franchise. The home games weren't on TV. There were 5,000 people in the stands. Now things were starting to turn on a little bit because that was, you know, Rocky came in on Kane and Taves' rookie year. So there was some excitement building, but Mm -hmm. You know, Rocky did all the things that his father, Dollar Bill Words, wouldn't do. He poured money into the. He, I mean, he he he's a billionaire. His family is like a, the beverage kings of Chicago. They multi billion dollar business, and he poured money into the team. He made the Blackhawks a, a destination franchise for free agents. People wanted to work here. People wanted to play here, and people wanted to watch them play. And Rocky Words did all that by opening up the coffers. He was the ideal owner. You know, he was every every team in Chicago was jealous. Of the of Rocky Words, like if you were a Cubs fan and you have to deal with the Ricketts or you were uh, a Bears fan, you have to deal with the McCaskies. You were jealous that Rocky Words, or if you're a Sox fan or Bulls fan with Jerry Reinsdorf, like these were these are let's just say divisive owners at best. Everybody loved Rocky, everybody, and he earned it. Like you know, he made this team great, and he just never stopped spending money, which is all you care about as an owner, right? Sign those checks, put smart people in charge, and then sign those checks, and he did that. The last few years made everything different. I mean, you can't. I, I I know I know a lot of people were mad at me for have for writing that column mere hours after we we learned about his death. But you know, it's journalism. There's no such thing as too soon. You know, our job is to tell the truth, and the truth about Rocky Wirtz is he was a great hockey owner who had a huge huge stain on his resume. And you can't just pretend that didn't happen. It's two things can be true. Yeah, I, I it just it's kind of interesting that when, it, when I think of the Eugene Melnick passing from last year uh, as an owner who obviously was at the forefront of the Ottawa Senators, but very complicated legacy in in his own right, especially. It was very top of mind for me when I was reading the column and and just processing the story because, yes, this person may have done good things, but I I don't think it's wrong to write about how complicated a legacy for a person is when they – kind of blend the line between good and bad. And in this situation, and I understand it's one bad situation and a town hall when you really boil it down, but especially for people who are not in the market of Chicago, like I know for me as someone who is not as well-versed on Chicago sports as you are, Mark, I my thinking of Rocky Wirtz is the town hall where you are trying to ask him a question and you're going back and forth with him on the Kyle Beach situation and he's saying we're not going to talk about it. It's it's a it's a it's a big stain on that organization. It's something that they have to deal with. It's something that they will have to deal with and and try to you know move on from for a long time. Essentially, well, yeah, we're not pe- done discussing that situation. That's just it. People people are always telling yelling at Scott Powers and I to move on from Kyle Beach, but you don't just move on from that. That's going to you know Danny Wirtz himself. When when Scott and I talked to him and and uh, president of business operations Jamie Faulkner at the one year anniversary of the Jenner and Block report last October, uh, they Danny Wirtz himself said the memory of what happened to Kyle Beach colors literally everything they do in the organization. Like he, he, he is in their minds with every step they take, every hire they make, every decision they make, you know, they're doing it with Kyle Beach and that legacy in mind of how do we make sure something like that doesn't happen again. So it, 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 it does continue to be an issue here and Danny taking over, you know, that's going to continue to be the the thing. And, you know, I, I, I wrote this in the column. I, I don't think people realize how the perception of Rocky Wirtz and the Blackhawks in general changed around the league in the last couple of years because of this. Um, when, you know, the day after the outburst, it was, it was all-star weekend. Well, right. I, I went straight from that night game against the wild to Vegas for the all-star game. Mm-hmm. Um, after he said, we're not talking about Kyle beach, you know, it's he basically, basically was saying, I'm a billionaire and I paid this guy off. And now we get to, sh- everyone gets to shut up. Uh, and, and, and that's what that tirade was. Um, I had three perspective. They were still looking for a GM because Stan Bowman, you know, I had three prospective GMs, like viable candidates, not like, you know, far flung, like nobody's viable candidates reach out to me. And, you know, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not Mike Russo. These guys don't usually reach out to me about things like this. They came out to me and asked me, you know, they, they, they expressed to me that they had serious misgivings about applying for that job basically now, because they weren't sure they wanted to work under someone who could say things like that. So it changes the perception dramatically of the entire franchise. It does matter. It's not just a one-off thing that we can all forget. It colors everything the Blackhawks are doing going forward, hopefully for the better, right? Like you're going to learn something from this. It could have a positive legacy in the end. 
So it colors everything the Blackhawks are doing, and it colors the way people who are considering working for the Blackhawks think of these things too. Remember what Wayne Gretzky said that night on the TNT panel. He said, if I had a 17-year-old kid right now, I'd be really thinking hard about whether I would want them to be drafted by this organization because this is how they care about people. So it's it's short-sighted and naive and foolish to say, let's just move on because the Blackhawks haven't moved on, the hockey world hasn't moved on, and you know, no, neither of us should. No, they shouldn't be moving on because if this is going to have any long-term positive effect, it's going to be because we remember it, not because we forget it. Absolutely. That's very well said. What have you made of how fans and readers have been processing uh, Wurtz's passing and juggling with the fact that, you know, he played, not played a role, but he, his reaction to the town hall and everything else we mentioned with regards to Cal Beach is being processed. But at the same time, this is an, organiza- an organization that has seen three Stanley Cups, some of the best players in franchise history, and Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane flourish in the Rocky Wurtz era. Yeah. Uh, again, just the fact you are able to watch them on TV and not go through the uh, dated practices of, of Bill Wirtz. Like there, there is good in that era. That oh, it's the, it's the, the best lo- time ever to be the, a Blackhawks fan. Absolutely. It was the golden age of Blackhawks hockey was Rocky Wirtz's ownership. And fans have been trying to, you know, remind people online, especially that these things happen. Like this is something that people shouldn't forget about Rocky Wirtz. What have, what have been your impressions of how people have been trying to juggle both of those things? I mean, most of what you read in, uh, you know, other outlets and most of what you see on online is people are, are you know, they're mourning him. And he, he was like, he was a big figure in a lot of people's lives as a sports fan. And he did a lot of good things. And I think people have a tendency to focus on the positive, especially in the immediate aftermath of a death. Nobody wants to dance on anyone's grave. And, you know, you know, that's not what I was doing. I was writing, you know, I wasn't writing a eulogy. I was writing a legacy story. There's a difference there. But as a fan, you don't have to do that. You can just, you know, go, oh my God, this guy helped give me the best sports fan moments of my life. Just like there's fans that are still grappling with whether they can look back at 2010 fondly. 2010 was probably the best time ever to be a Blackhawks fan. First Stanley Cup in 49 years, a young, exciting team. Everybody loved everybody on that team. Some fans have complicated feelings toward that team. And some fans just say, no, I can separate the two things. So I think you see a lot of that kind of cognitive dissonance where a lot of people are just mourning. I mean, it's, it's. It's not the same as it was when Bill Wirtz died. Uh, when Bill Wirtz died in 2007, they had like on opening night, like a moment of silence for him and people booed lustily. Bill Wirtz was despised in this city. He was the guy that ruined, Bill Wirtz is a monster, huge figure in the history of hockey, like an important guy. Arthur and Bill Wirtz helped make the NHL, but in Chicago, he was reviled because of what he had done, because he was so cheap, because the team, the games weren't on TV. He had basically destroyed hockey in this town. So, I mean, it was, it was unseemly, but it was, it was honest emotion from Blackhawks fans. When Bill Wirtz died, people were glad. It was kind of gross, but it's undeniable that people were clearly, Blackhawks fans were excited that maybe things could be different. That's not the case now. Nobody's like, hooray, Rocky Wirtz died. Uh, it's not to that degree. But there are people that are just lamenting the loss of a very important figure in Chicago sports. And there are people that are trying to grapple with how do you process a legacy that's this complicated. If it comes out uh, that uh, Rocky's son, Danny, uh, will in fact succeed him as owner, just based on how you've you've dealt with him in the past and what he's done in his role, what could Hawks fans expect if he becomes owner and succeeds? Let's 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 and succeeds his father. Let's try to. I know it's a bit of a hypothetical. Maybe it's entirely possible by the time you hear this episode, uh, it is announced. It is the case. But if it gets to that point, what can fans expect? Yeah, I mean, we all expect. You know, we've all always expected it was going to be Danny. Although it's interesting when 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 Bill died, everybody thought it was going to be Peter Worst that took over, and then Rocky came out of nowhere and got it. So you never know with these things. But yeah, mm-hmm. we're fully expecting Bill. Danny Wirtz has been with the team now since uh, uh, John McDonough was fired in April of 2020, and Danny Wirtz has basically been in charge since then. So he's now he's he's become entrenched in the hockey run side. So we're all expecting he'll be the owner. Um, the, 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 I guess the most important thing if you're a Hawks fan is he's not going to turn off the money tap. He has seen that you got to spend money to make money in the NHL. He's not going to all of a sudden, you know, take games off of TV and, uh, and, and start spending, you know, I mean, obviously the Hawks aren't a cap team right now, but that's by design. That's a strategic move, not a cheap move. So, um, that's not going to change. He's going to 
continue what Rocky did in that regard. Uh, the exciting thing for, for if you're a Hawks fan with a conscience is Danny Wirt seems like a really good guy. I mean, I honestly mean that he's a young guy. He's only 46 years old. He's very forward thinking. I mean, he's a, he's a billionaire business guy. I mean, let's not pretend he's like, you know, mother Teresa here. He's still, he's from that world. He's from that world of succession, but he's not exactly uh Logan Roy either. You know, he mm-hmm. cares about people. He cares about making the Blackhawks a, a, a better organization. He's done a lot of things. He said, let me put it this way. He said, he and Jamie Faulkner have said all the right things when it comes to inclusion, when it comes to empowering players to speak up, when it comes to fostering a more uh, welcoming environment. Uh, the hires they've made have, have underscored that. Kyle Davidson, Luke Richardson. These are young, forward-thinking people too. Um, it takes years to make a, to actually affect a culture change. So we don't know what the long-term results are going to be at, but I think and there's been missteps. The Pride Night was a debacle, an absolute debacle. And Danny didn't speak that night. I requested him like half a dozen times, and he didn't speak. Connor Murphy had to speak for the team that night. It's the same shit that happened when the Jenner and Block Report came out, and Jeremy Colleton and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves had to speak for the team. It should not have been that way. It should have been someone in management and ownership, and it wasn't. And that's a bad way of doing business, and I think the Hawks have to learn that. But... I do, but Danny Wirtz was at the pride parade this year. I mean, Danny Wirtz cares about these things. I really do believe his heart is in the right place. I think that as the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks, you hold a lot of power in the NHL. If you choose to wield it, Rocky chose to wield it. Like you're like Jeremy Jacobs. You're like at that level, you're you're an original six, big market, big money owner. You can wield a lot of power. And if Danny Wirtz wants to put his foot down and really make a, make, make a stand for things. I think he can affect positive change. It's difficult to do in a glacial business like this, but I think he could be a force for good. I really do. If he chooses to be, who knows, he might go back. He might just be a, a, a dial it back as owner and not be the CEO anymore. He might go back to the beverage business and just sign the checks kind of like what Rocky was doing. But if he wants to be, he can be a really positive force for good in a very old man sport. I mean, he's only 46, like he's only three years older than I am. Uh, I feel like he could be a, a, he could do a lot of good in the NHL if he chooses to do that. Anything else you want to mention with regards to the Rocky Ward situation that I didn't ask you before we move on and we try to make the show a little bit more fun? Not having fun? <laughs> oh, of course I'm having fun. We just we know we try to you know what I'm trying I'll, to I'll, handle this. I, I, I want to say something nice can. about I I I I want to I'll say something nice about Rocky Ward here. He okay. was you know. He was a businessman and he was a billionaire and just on principle, I'm not really a big fan of billionaires existing. It's kind of immoral to me, but, uh, he Are did you a lot of good people would want to eat billionaires, eat the rich baby. There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be that much wealth disparity in the world is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. But, um, he did a lot of good. I mean, I, I worked at the Chicago sun times and he was one of the people that basically saved the sun times by investing in local journalism when we were on the verge of bankruptcy or, or, or folding. He did a lot of philanthropic work. He did so much good. He built the community rinks in the, in the city. Chicago hockey is better because of him and the city of Chicago in a lot of ways is better because of him. All of that is true. And you, that can be true and you can still talk about the other things without it being disrespectful. We're all adults here and we can have these conversations. That's all I wanted to say. That is very well said. That is very well said. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to discuss that. I know it's been a few days since the passing and you've probably had to deal with, you know, feedback and blowback from people. My mom's reading all those comments still. She still texts me all the comments. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Uh, But I do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to discuss the story. Uh, and no, we have been having fun. I always like to have fun uh, with you on this show, Mark. It's just, you know, it's hard for me to make a joke about your age when we're discussing Rocky words. <laughs> <laughs> know. You know how bad I wanted to be like, oh, you're not 50? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm growing out my summer beard because I got to see how gray it is. And for the first time, it's, oh man, it's starting to look pretty gray. I was about to say, uh, it's a shame we're uh, primarily an audio format here because people should see the beard on. on people Mark should Asper's not see face. my beard. They should not see the state of this room that I'm in right now that my daughters have basically destroyed. It's actually a lot better than it normally is. Uh, oh, here, let me, let me anyway. angle the camera okay. a little bit for you. Okay, for people who obviously are not able to see it, uh, there's toys everywhere. There's arts and crafts stuff around. Yeah, You're this is my the this, best of my, my quote unquote office has become my daughter's quote unquote art room, and she's not big on quote unquote cleaning up. Mm. Oh, I'm happy she's letting you uh, share. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I had to tell her at like 930 today. I'm like, uh, just so you know, I got a podcast say, make a spot for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Take requests. I had to basically give her a heads up. Of course. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we're going to move on to our mailbag here. What's really funny uh, about these mailbags, uh, normally you get these questions that come in uh, and they're normally directed to the main hosts of the show. In this case, only one of the two main hosts of the Monday show is here. Uh, So you might hear uh, a hey, Ian and Julian a lot uh, throughout some of the uh, things you want to bring up in the mailbag. They, they They didn't have you in mind, Mark. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to them that they have to get my answers instead of Ian's. He sounds a lot nicer oh, no. than I do. Um, for those who can't How much track, would you pay to have Ian Mendez's voice? How much would I pay to have Ian Mendez's I mean, you've got a great voice, too. you got a great radio voice. But he's got like that, like, I always say mellifluous. It's just this, he's got like the best radio voice I think I've ever heard. I like he's my so voice better smooth. than Ian's. I like my voice better than Ian's. I wouldn't pay. I, huh? I would, I would, what I would love to have from Ian is... Is the way that he's able to come up with ideas and run through shows that that ability to oh he's, he's, he's a host he's shows. a segue master too he is Absolute a segue, segue master. master like I, probably the best I've ever worked with <laughs> with regards to to making that happen I would love to have that part of his I would love to have that ability but in okay. terms of his voice I could no I, yeah no you got a, you got a great radio voice too I'm I, I, I was not meaning, not meaning to disparage you. Oh, and I know you didn't mean it that way. I'm confident <laughs> enough in my vocal abilities. I could put my voice up against anybody. So with respect to Ian Mendez, zero dollars. Um, <laughs> I give him 35 cents. Get... <laughs> 35 cents is still, it's not zero dollars. It's not, it's non-zero. Exactly. It's not, he's profiting. For those who kept track of last week's episode, uh, where Ian gave me some homework uh, to find uh, an NHL player whose contract ends with the number six. Uh, just because we were discussing uh, summer Ilya content, Samson. baby. Oh yeah, it, we're at that point. We were discussing. We're turning um, this into a down goes brown column. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that should be a free idea. That's a free idea for you. Uh, down goes brown. We were discussing uh, Ilya Samsonov's arbitration numbers, and I had made this random guess of like three point four seven six, and Ian was just stupefied at the fact that a contract uh, <laughs> AAV could possibly end in six. Um, and he told me, hey, find me two players, two players uh, whose salaries uh, end with the number six. Uh, I believe Connor Hallibuck is one of them because his AAV, and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, 6.166. A lot, There's a lot of sixes with him. Uh, you know, that, that, I like the sixes because he's kind of got like, like he's got the, uh, the eyebrows. He kind of got us like a like a 1920s Satan actor to him. Like it looks like a guy who could play Satan in a movie, an old timey exactly. movie. I like uh, that. William Nylander also counts. Okay. Uh, that's someone whose contract uh, very much uh, up there uh, for him. Uh, Zane from New Zealand tried to help us out. Uh, hey, Ian and Julian, for your Monday show, Sebastian Aho of the Canes one has a current contract of $8.46 million, uh, for, uh, we, All we right, have I, have a, I have a question here. I have a question here. A technicality. Are these like are these like six 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 seven? kind of contracts where they really should be rounded up? No. That's it, the question it, here. The goal is to find a contract that ends in 666. Because some of these have whole, they have pennies involved, too. Yes. that That is fair. That is fair. We don't get the pennies on these <laughs> contracts up from Cap Friendly. And Huck There's Media not a lot. And that not is, everybody gets a nice round number, which as a writer is just the worst. When you have to say, like, Duncan Keith and his $5.28575 million cap it. I hate that so much. Damn it. <laughs> uh, we did get the full number for Sebastian Ajo, 8460250 So technically, I don't know if this one would count for what we're trying to do. Uh, maybe it does. Or maybe we can get a ruling. I don't know. All that to say, Ian, uh, there are NHL players out there whose AAVs do end in six. So take that. Uh, let's go to another one. Uh, Doug. Listening to Monday's pod and Ian and Julian were having a discussion about the best contracts in the NHL. My biggest takeaway is that all of these contracts are labeled best and all are best from the perspective of the team's long-term and lower AAV compared to players of similar caliber. If you're pro management, these are great deals. If you're pro player and hoping to get paid what they truly are worth, these contracts can be labeled as bad. Preach. Jack Hughes making, 
<laughs> Jack Hughes making $8 million per year when the cap will go up is great for owners, but bad for other young centers of his caliber or Jack himself when he starts earning out that money. I think it's a good conversation that you all were having, but I think it's as valuable to acknowledge that these best contracts are best for the teams and not necessarily the players signing them. Mark, I would love to know your thoughts on this before I say my my. Well, piece. you just heard what I was thinking about billionaires, so you probably know which side I'm on on this. No, it's fair. I, of course, I, yeah, I'm pro-worker, right? I'm pro-player. I mean, they're making ridiculous sums of money. Sure, yes, it's hilarious. And, you know, I, I can understand how you look at that and say, oh, this guy's complaining about making $6 million instead of $7 million when I'm making X amount of dollars. I get all that. But the workers are the workers. The, the, the owners are making hundreds of millions off of these guys potentially and you know a rising tide lifts all boats right you want all players to do better you want rookies to make a little bit more you want everyone you know these guys careers might last three years four years five years tops you know you got to make your money while you can just because it's a a huge number doesn't mean you should resent them for it and it's it's an interesting spot to be in as a fan because yeah you want your team to be successful but in doing that you're kind of hoping to screw the players that you're rooting for in some ways, it's a, that's, that's, that's a salary cap. We're like, if you're a baseball fan, you don't have to care about this stuff. Max Scherzer is going to get his 43 million and you can be happy that your team paid it. And you can be happy that he's getting it in a cat world. You have to balance your morals and business ethics, however you want to put it with your fandom. And if you, if you're truly, if you're like a union household or you're just pro worker in general, or if you're anti-billionaire class in general, <laughs> then you should be wanting these guys to get every damn penny they can out of these incredibly wealthy owners because hockey players are rich. Hockey owners are wealthy. Mm-hmm. Who are you rooting for there? I always, whenever these lockout discussions come out, I'm always impressed at how the owners somehow look like the good guys or people just don't talk about <laughs> yeah. them because it's like, this player is, these players are just haggling over money. I make X amount of dollars a year and you want more? What is this? While the billionaire owner just gets the chill and no one gives him a peep. I, you know what? While you were having that uh, great rant, by the way, I looked up uh, the Cal- the Chicago Blackhawks uh, cap friendly page, looking at all the salaries. Uh, in terms of AAV, Seth Jones paid the most at $9.5 million. He's making like a shade above what Alex Caruso is making for the Chicago Bulls. I believe he is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh highest paid player on Chicago. You, you better Bulls? not say a bad word about Alice Caruso in this city. You will be injured. Oh, no. No, no, he no, is, no. I he is never, beloved here. I would never disrespect <laughs> Alex Caruso. But no, uh, yeah. Who, I like would if, never if you're if you're a if you're a, 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 a middle reliever who comes in to get one left-handed guy out in baseball, you're making fifteen million dollars a year. Seriously. It's so ridiculous. Connor McDavid, he is underpaid. Nathan Vastly McKinnon underpaid. is underpaid. They should be these guys twenty million. When, when you think about how much money these guys, these owners are making by having these players, they're criminally underpaid. Your worth, th- your value is whatever someone's willing to pay you, right? That's just yes. how it works. Like there's yes. no there's no like Connor McDavid like you know Dom comes out with his models and say this guy's worth this much. That's not how it works. You are worth whatever someone is willing to pay you. And if this weren't a salary cap world, if there's like any other job in the world where you get paid whatever you can get, these Connor McDavid would be making twenty million dollars right now. You should be easily here. Here's something I want to throw out at you, and maybe this makes me sound like a devil's advocate. How much of this is on? the lack of marketing of players and on the players for themselves not having a lot of personalities and making the game more marketable for people to consume and more people to enjoy and ultimately lead to more dollars and cents down the line sure i mean there's i think it that. has to be I part mean, of the discussion yeah i mean it, it is i i don't i i i think we're we've reached a point where we have to accept the fact that hockey is never going to be as big as the other sports in the United States. It's just not. It's not a part of American culture to the point where it's ingrained in us the way that football and basketball are now. It's too expensive. It's too, I hate to admit this, but this is America. It's too foreign. It's just, it's not going to be the kind of sport that's going to command $50 million salaries because it's just not going to get the ratings and the TV deals that the NFL gets. Now, could it be better? Of course. And could players put a little more effort into doing it? Yeah. And, you know, we, the NBA has figured it out. The NBA was not that much more popular than the NHL was in the 80s and 90s. It was, they were kind of on comparable footing. NBA finals in the 80s were on tape delay 
uh, on like CBS. Like this was not that big a sport. And then you started having the personalities come. You started having superstars. People wanted to see Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. They wanted to see Michael Jordan. They wanted to see Kobe Bryant. They want to see LeBron James and Steph Curry and all these guys. Like the NBA figured it out. But it's a lot easier to have personality in a sport like the NBA where you're on the court all the time, the camera's right in your face, you're not wearing a helmet, you're not, you know, you're just more in the public eye. So I don't know how much hockey players can really move the needle, but a little effort wouldn't hurt. Like at least try, right? I want to focus on one thing here. You said, I know you said you hate to say it, being too foreign, like, is that because of the Canadian-ness of the sport? Like, I, I want to examine that a little bit more because I feel like of all times for the league to really prop itself up and 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 put itself in a position where more eyeballs and more people should be processing it. Like, shouldn't it be around now? One thing I keep seeing a lot is is when people put together these hypothetical Team USA lineups for a best on best tournament that might never come. Who knows? I've never seen Team USA look so good. Yeah, we're just coming off a postseason where where Matthew Kachuk, a USA born super pending superstar, this yeah. should be a player that. And, more, and, and when you had him on about. TNT during the NBA Finals, like that GDS. stuff matters. That stuff yes. absolutely matters, and it's better. It's look, hockey's more popular now than it probably was five ten years ago in the, in America. Salary cap goes up. You know, even you know it's flattened right now, and that that's that's a part of the conversation here, obviously. But mm-hmm. you know, it's more pop. It's incremental. It's not going to make. I just, I just have a hard time. I'd love to see it, but I have a hard time seeing the NHL make that exponential leap that the NBA did in the last twenty five years. Like I don't know who Michael Jordan would be. Will it be Connor Bedard? It's not going to be Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is the single most exciting athlete I've ever seen in any sport. Like. He should already be that guy. Maybe it's because he's out West. Maybe it's because he's in another country. Uh, it's a, if, if Maybe if you were a New York Ranger or a Boston Bruin or something, it'd be different. Maybe even if Toronto Maple Leaf, maybe it would be different. I don't know. But I, I just feel like if Connor McDavid didn't do it, it's really hard for me to see anybody having that Jordan effect. And that's what the NBA had was the Jordan effect. It all came back to Jordan, who I hate. <laughs> That's actually a good callback in the fact that you did mention you hate Michael Jordan. Uh, that was well done. Um, thank you to uh, Zane and also uh, Doug for these ones. There's one other person who sent us something in our mailbag, uh, but I will get to that when we discuss the results of the best animated theme song uh, bracket, which uh, I'll just get to that in a second. There's one question I want to ask. I'm going to add a question to the mailbag here. I love doing this whenever I see an athlete do something really cool on some platform and my brain immediately thinks, huh, I wonder if what NHL player could do this. And I guess this is sort of an extension of the discussion that we're having. Uh, How familiar are you with the show uh, Hot Ones uh, on YouTube? Look at us. I'm familiar with it. (laughs) Good one. Um, Recently, uh, Steph Curry was on the show devouring hot wings a couple weeks ago. Uh, Harry Kane, the uh, Tottenham Hotspur star on that show, uh, looking for that was actually a really good episode, by the way. Got to look at him in a completely different light uh, off of that episode. I would love to know from your vantage point, Mark, which NHL, well, maybe we know the answer already, but which NHL player would you like to see on Hot Ones eating chicken wings, taking them down one by one with hot sauce? Uh, all the way to the very end. Which NHL player do you think would do a great job on that show? Ah, uh, see, see, see. That, I think those are two different questions. Who do I want to see do it? No, and who would do fair. a great You're job? Right. Yes. Like I would. I, 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 you posed this question just before we came on the air, and I was just thinking about it, and I kind of came down to Jack Hughes because I think what would be interesting is to get someone to come out of their shell, and that's the kind of show that like you can get someone to lower their guard because they're just they're too focused on the fact that they're dying inside to put on their professional <laughs> face. And, you know, I, 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 I was around Jack Hughes a fair bit during the playoffs this year, and he really has a disdain for talking to the press. Like, he's not a fan. He doesn't, doesn't like want to do it. He's kind of a dick when he does it, which, hey, you're allowed to do that. I don't begrudge you that. But he really doesn't seem to like it. But I think there's a... I remember him at the Combine. I've seen him on the ice. And he dropped a few hints. I think there's a ton of personality in there waiting to come out. I want a boring guy to go on that show. Because I want an actual, like, like it's easy to say, put Connor McDavid out there and let's see if we can find a personality there. And he's been better in recent years, but he's still kind of dull. But I think Jack Hughes, he could be a star. He's American. He's exciting to watch. He's a little guy. So there's like, there's like, a, there's like, he's not like this unattainable LeBron James 
you know, perfect specimen of human being thing going on. Like you can mm-hmm. relate to him better. And I think there's a lot of personality there that he's just refusing to show us, which is his right. But I would like to see him with his guard down. I think he'd be funny. I think he'd be talking shit. I think that, I think there's a superstar, an absolute megastar waiting to be uncovered in Jack Hughes if he'll let it out. And eating stupidly hot wings, I don't even like hot wings, eating stupidly hot wings, I think is a, is a path to that. So you're saying you don't like hot wings, you wouldn't survive uh, hot I ones? don't like food that's the only flavor is hot. Like, I don't mind spice. I like kick with my wings, but I Mark, want it to be, have a flavor. Mark, I don't the want the flavor to just bad. be hot. They're not that bad. This, like, you done, know what I like? You go to Buffalo Wild Wings or something, you know what's good is like yeah. their, their hot barbecue is good. And okay. I like their chip, the, the Chipotle barbecue, the dry rub. That's the best one they got. Little kick to it, but it's got flavor. I want flavor. Hot's not a flavor. It, it, it exists. I've done I've done the gauntlet, and like there are soft. They have like I forget what season we did. Uh, I'm sure for those who have seen it through the SDPN, you could find it. But like the flavors, we myself and uh, my friend Andrew Berkshire were, were trying out. They were good. They were pretty solid. Then you get to the bomb, and that's just pure death. I can I, I'm with you on that. But hot sauce can be flavorful. And hot. Uh, my answer for this question, by the way, would be Matthew Kachuk. I think just off the momentum of what he would be a hilarious person to have on the show. Uh, I'm sure he would get asked the question about uh, uh, what fun thing did you do with Jason Tatum in high school? That'd be an easy <laughs> one off the. That's an easy. That's yeah, a, that yeah. like that, that's like question one, question two no, for it, Sean it, Evans. It, it, on it, 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 it's an absolute layup. Yeah, absolutely. Kachuk would be fantastic, fantastic on this show. I was, I just. I want to. I want to. I want to be surprised by somebody, and I think that Jack Hughes. I think there's a bubbling cauldron of personality waiting to be unearthed there. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, the one thing I'll say about Jack Hughes, though, I, while I, I see where you're getting at with the fact that he could be this personality, I just don't think it's that interesting when you're just a guy who's just a jerk to media. I'm sorry. I can't no, that's, get that's, behind I know, that. I know. I know. I know. And I usually don't. You know. I usually I feel that too, but. I, I I just want him to loosen up. If he loosens up, maybe he will enjoy, you know, sparring with the press a little better. I don't know. I don't I'm hopeful. know, man. I'm like, optimistic. It's a summer fine, of optimism. Fine. We can ask better questions in our jobs, but like <laughs> if that's if that's if that's how we're basing personality in the God, NHL. So the demanding. League, God, the league is so far to go. We have now reached the uh, the uh, it's time for us to talk about the results of uh, the best animated show theme song. Uh, it started from a random off. I'm comment. old enough that I still call them cartoons. By the way, well, you could still call them cartoons. You could do animated. That's like trying. people call comic books graphic novels. Like, no, it's a good comic book. That's all. Yeah, but like it's graphic novels, like a, it's very different from this a regular cartoon. There's an obvious <laughs> difference. I mean, I don't, and you know what? Forget it. Forget <laughs> it. We took in. Submissions, uh, what's the best theme song for kids show ever made? We expanded to, we made it animated because if we accounted for every single kid show, it would have to be like a 60-14 bracket and there would be no way for us to get this done. And they'd all be from the Disney afternoon and they'd all win. Pretty much. The final, uh, it came down to fifth-seeded Pokemon versus uh, number two-seeded DuckTales, which was a favorite of Mark Lazarus. Um, and uh, winning 60% of the vote. Pokemon. What? Defeating. <laughs> what? Are you shitting me? Pokemon beat DuckTales. 60% of the vote. You. Uh, Mark. I guess we know how, I guess we know the, that that's good for advertisers that our, our age group skew, our demographics skew that young. Holy crap. I, I guess so. Um, I don't even know. I'm a 43-year-old man who grew up watching nothing but cartoons, and I don't have no idea what the Pokemon song sounds like. No idea. So, like. Sing it for that, me, Julian. Oh, oh God! I don't know if you want me to do that. That's that's a terrible idea for all of us. We could just get Danielle to just throw in the theme song in between us talking. That's a much better use of our time here. Pokemon came out basically during my four years of college. Like that's when Pokemon was big. And when you're in college, you don't watch TV. You don't have time. You're doing other stuff. You're having fun. You're at the paper. You're doing stuff. I have no idea. I never watched a single second of Pokemon. I don't know what a Charizard is. I didn't poke. I didn't Pokemon go to the polls. I didn't, I didn't do any of this stuff, man. Pokemon is just. Charizard. 
I missed it completely. Pokemon is Good like a big, Lord. a big blind spot, black hole in my knowledge of pop culture is Pokemon. No idea. Oh my god! I didn't even see the Just, Detective Pikachu thing. I didn't even see that. Oh, okay, I, I I didn't watch Detective Pikachu in full. I think I just watched Cinemasins ra- rail on it. But like, <laughs> you just YouTube the theme song. It's an iconic. You're technically a millennial, so like you know, I'm, don't I'm, try I'm, to, I'm the lost. I'm, I'm in those lost years between Gen X and millennial. I was I, I was 1980, which we, nobody claims oh. us. Okay, I that's fair. you. I, I you basically you identify. I think your generation by your music, and since all I listen to is like 90s alternative and grunge. I, I'm like a young Gen Xer instead of the oldest millennial. I never thought of it that way that you identify what era you're from from the music. And I'm a big music guy. So does that mean that like if I was like I'm more like, into emo and stuff like that? Like I, yeah. I love this, the Strokes is my second favorite band. So I mean, I've got some millennial stuff, but the overwhelming stuff I listen to is like Pearl Jam and Garbage mm-hmm. and Our Lady Peace and Green Day and the White, mm-hmm. well, White Stripes would be more millennial. But like over, like when I'm in the car, I'm listening to Sirius Lithium. I'm clearly Gen X at that point. I think for me as a millennial, like I think I started really tapping into my musical my tastes around the time like Drake became a thing and and 808s and Heartbreak and then eventually Travis Scott later on. Yeah, see for me Kanye it was, Com- you know, we're yeah. talking about like Tupac and 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 Biggie and Snoop. I mean, that's when when rap was fun. That's Gen X. Rap it, I mean, Rap's rap not is not as anymore. fun now, but I was rap, still at a point where rap, rap was, was fun. clearly the peak of rap funness. Clearly. Are you sure about that? I think like, it's tell me anything in the everybody. last twenty years that can compare to California Love. Come on, or regulate. Okay. Come on. If we're gonna if we're gonna get Come into on. all of that with with that. I mean, anyway, back to the theme songs. Guys, back to the theme. Songs. <laughs> oh, also, Drake sucks. Back to the theme song of <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon winning out over uh, Ducktales, which uh, I have to admit, um, listening to Ducktales theme song. I'm still, I'm still song. mad that you had Arthur as the top seed. Like, what the I hell? I mean, it's a pretty I good mean, theme song. I all respect to Ziggy Marley. What are you doing, man? What? Arthur. Like, don't you talk- who Did, watched stop, Arthur? Stop. stop. What? What do you mean? Who, who watched, watched Arthur? Arthur? Be- many people watched Arthur. You must be out of your mind. Don't give me this, Mark. Are you crazy? <laughs> I've also never the- watched Arthur. Thank you, Jim. I don't, I don't get this. This is nuts. Look, the young Disney young afternoon, with- when I was a kid, no, you had- up with PBS? L- listen to these theme songs, man. You had DuckTales, you had Darkwing Duck, you had Chippendale Rescue Rangers, you had Tailspin. Oh my God, these are like the greatest songs ever written. How about the Gummy Bears? You want to get how old I am? The Gummy Bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. Now that's a freaking, that just song just absolutely slaps. Come on, man. Hear, Every good cartoon theme song is from the 1980s. None of the Every songs single you one. mention, none of the songs you mention are better than SpongeBob, or none of the, are not better than Fairly Odd Parents. The Teen Titans theme song is better than that. Teen Titans you know what's I, also I, better my, my than kids, all those My songs? kids love Teen Hope Titans. Pokemon is. Teen my Titans kids love Teen Titans. Titans. That one, that's barely even a song. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Teen Titans or Teen Titans Go? Oh, Teen Titans Go is the one my kids watch. That's Sorry. a very big difference okay. because Teen okay. Titans my Go, bad. barely a show. Teen Titans, the OG version, incredible. Teen Titans Go is one of the greatest shows ever made. <laughs> it's the only thing it's... That, and, that and Bluey are the only things my kids ever watch that I go out of my way to go and watch with them because they're so good. Oh, but what about the other shows that were in our bracket as well? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Absolutely. Uh, Another 80s one. Yes. Uh, Batman, the animated uh, the animated okay. show. Uh, so here's, the, here's, had, here's, here's, here's yeah, my argument here. In the go 80s ahead. in particular, and I guess there, there are some extent, like, like SpongeBob, I think, kind of does this. But in the 80s, this was true with live action shows too, like Perfect Strangers and stuff like that. And your theme song told a story, especially in the cartoons. Your theme song laid out the plot of the show. It was like a primer, like, here's what you need to know going into this show. It told a story. It's like Gilligan's Island level stuff, man, where it would tell you everything you need to know about a show in the theme song. They were brilliant. Then it just became like, here's a cool, like, like the X-Men theme. It's just like a cool little, you know, piano, you know, keyboard riff, Yeah, it's cool, but it doesn't tell you anything. Tell me who the hell Chip and Dale are. Chip and Dale. Come on, man. But you need to, but like for me, it's less about like, okay, what they're going to tell you. It has to be catchy. It has to be something that like you hear it, it resonates with you, and you're able to sing it back. Are you Whether trying or not to tell me DuckTales isn't catchy? It is catchy. But like, woo, come on, man. Yeah, the woo is good. But like, I, I can't recite, <laughs> I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is catchy. And another one that tells the entire yeah. story, the entire plot of. The formation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Splinter and Shredder, all there in like thirty glorious seconds. Someone someone wrote in and mentioned the Jetsons. 
a little before yes. both of our time. I watched the Jetsons as a kid. It was always on. Jetsons and Flintstones. They told you a story, man. The Flintstones. How is the Flintstones not on there? Shout out, Dave. Uh, he is the person who sent us uh, that point about the Jetsons. I'll just read. Uh, Introduce his, uh, you to all the characters. Let you know what's going Z-Man. on. I might be showing my age here, but I'm going off the board here, calling it audible. And in my opinion, the Jetsons uh, is the best full stop. Thanks for reading this. It should be important to note this bracket was based off of what people submitted to us on Twitter. We just made a fun bracket out of that. I'm telling you, you need to whoever whoever runs the business side of this of, of the podcasting endeavor needs to package this poll and sell it to everybody because this is the youngest radio audience in the history of audiences. I guess that's, that's a, fair. That is money in the bank, man. Sell that shit. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who voted and participated uh, in uh, driving Mark Lazarus, Matt. I mean, the uh, poll uh, that we put together on the best Pokemon. anime theme song. Yeah. Pokemon. It, it, come on. like, Don't you want to be the very I, I, best? I'm, I'm flabbergasted. It's an iconic theme song. And you should take the time to listen to it. It's a great song. Great show. You, you, I don't know. Like, You ever played Pokemon Go? No. You probably... I never did. Yeah. I was already in my like late 30s when that shit happened. You remember that? People were like walking around with the game on their phones, like literally yeah, trying to like get Pokemon weird. like random alleys and stuff. I think that's how we got Donald Trump. No, that's not true. They didn't Pokemon do go to the polls like Hillary told them. No, hey, hey, don't do that. <laughs> that's two don't Pokemon po- go to the polls jokes I made in four minutes and you didn't laugh at either of them. Don't make, don't put Pokemon that's on why this. you can't have Canadians on the show. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe we should think about recon- we should reconsider having Americans on this show. Maybe the show's too forward for that. It is what it is. And with that, true. you scare um, me. You're we, weird yeah, and seriously. foreign to me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Another. What are we going to do? Ah! I think we've caused enough damage on this Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. In absence of Ian Mendez, Mark Lazarus, thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh, being mature as you are. I am. I'm, I, I bring nothing but somber, serious discourse. Yes, clearly. Uh, Pokemon. Can... <laughs> can we please clip? Uh, Mark I'm going to listen to the second Pokemon. I get off of this Zoom. I am listening to the Pokemon song. Yes, please do that, and please like send us your thoughts. Uh, just tweet out your thoughts as you as you're sharing. I will the show. once the show comes out. I'll, I'll quote you with my thoughts on this ridiculous Travisham mockery of a poll. Okay, well, you're going to have to get adjusted to the fact that Pokemon wins out over DuckTales here. Thank you all so much for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. We would really, really appreciate it. Uh, and right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Corsi. <laughs>